Look how she lights up the sky. My bed, Evangeline. Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Turner, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, imagineers, animators, they've all made their mark on the Disney name. To find out more about the show and other episodes, head to our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Be sure to look below at the show notes in the show more section for links to our Twitter and Facebook pages, including videos and websites mentioned in the following interview. Photos and audio clips that are featured in the show belong to their rightful owners and are used for educational purposes only. All guests' opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop-de-doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, voice artist extraordinaire, Jim Cummings, to the show. Welcome, Jim. Well, thank you very much, Tierra. I love to be here. Nice place you have here. Thank you. It's a nice big <laughs> castle. <laughs> yes. Now, listeners will probably recognize your memorable voice for the characters of Pooh, Tigger, Ray the Lightning Bug, Pete, and also the voice of Illuminations, Reflections of Earth, the host voice, and many others. So I first wanted to talk about the character of Ray the Lightning Bug from The Princess and the Frog because it's been five years since that movie was released in 2009. And, you know, I just saw the film again recently, and I still think that Ray and his true love, Evangeline, are the best things about the film. How how in the world did you hear about the initial auditions for the characters of the film? Because I remember hearing that they were just looking for an elite group of big top celebrities for all the voices. I remember hearing that. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they always do that. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I, it's funny because I, uh, you know, I just got it as a regular call, like, um, you know, from from my agency, uh, as I would, you know, anything. But uh, it was funny. They 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 wanted to, um, I remember the audition being, well, you have to come and bring some sheet music for a Cajun love song. And I, I auditioned for Ray and Lewis. And, uh, and I said, oh, my gosh, I've got to get one of these because... You know, my uh, my little girl Gracie looked exactly like Princess Tiana at the time, uh, and she was she was four. And in the beginning of the movie, Princess Tiana's four, and they had the same haircut and everything. And you couldn't have even told her that she wasn't Princess Tiana. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it was just it was just amazing. And I told myself, my gosh, you know, if I don't get in this movie, I'm going to end up hearing this song, these songs, and this seeing this show. 100 times because you know when it comes out on dvd or blu-ray my kids are going to go daddy we got to get this movie blah 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 and then i'm going to be sitting there going oh man i gotta listen to this and you know who is this harry connick jr oh perfect you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh the funny thing was i when i auditioned i uh there was a song called uh leon russell wrote uh, the piano player he i want to say it was on his carney uh album and it was called a Cajun love song. That was the actual title of the song was A Cajun Love Song. So I, I went in, they go, well, what, what uh, Cajun love song did you did you bring? And I said, well, A Cajun Love Song. And they go, yes, I know, but which one? I said, no, 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 that's the title, A Cajun Love Song. <laughs> you know, and, um, and it ended up in the movie, the very first thing out of my mind, because I couldn't find sheet music, so I just did an acapella. 
And um, it was the very, very, very first sound out of my mouth uh, as Ray, and uh, it made it into the movie. Um, they recorded the, of course, they obviously recorded the audition, but they also uh, apparently it was in key. Somebody checked it later. <laughs> so they just <laughs> used it as the the work song, if you recall, when he comes upon Naveen and uh, Tiana all tied up, tongue-tied, literally. <laughs> um, and he goes in there, and it's sort of a little work song where he goes, Oh, get your league, I'm all get you back in buy you real fishy dab. And he pops them loose, and... Uh, and that was Leon Russell's A Cajun Love Song. And it was the very first thing out of my mouth. So and I said, where, do you, where did that come from? How did you guys go? Oh, that was the audition. And they go, yep. So it was kind of a, kind of a fun little story there, you know. And, uh, and it's funny because I did fairly well, I guess, at the audition. They said, well, we're not going to call Jim back. And, and my agent said, oh, well, then I thought you said he did okay. They go, yeah, but we're just going to wait until somebody else comes that close, and then we'll just compare the two of them. So six months later, how's this for a long answer to Whoa. your question? Six months later, um, uh, they called up, and, and, and I had joked around, and I said, oh, God, well, you know, they're going to go, they're going to get somebody, you know, some face or some whatever, and I said, so it'll be me against Harry Connick Jr., fine, because they all were, they were very much about being, you know, genuine New Orleans feel and being from there or whatever, you know, and I was a deckhand on a riverboat as a kid. I, I was born in Ohio, but moved to New Orleans out of high school, and so I, I knew all about Cajuns, and I mean, I was out on a deckhand on a boat for years, and uh, and boy, oh boy, I, I got that accent down. Uh, <laughs> I had no choice, you know, it was all I heard. And uh, sure enough, she calls up, she goes, well, they're, they're bringing you back for a callback, it's just you and one other guy. And I go, oh God, do I even want to know? She goes, well, do you remember what you were joking about? And I go, wait, it's Harry Connick Jr.? And they go, yeah. And I oh, said, my oh God. <laughs> I said, so it's me and Harry Connick Jr., huh? Oh, good. I said, well, say la vie. Oh, well. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm toast. I'm a, you know, stick me with a fork. I'm done. Uh, but I ended up lucking out and uh, sneaking into it. So uh, I'll, I'll take it, you know? For those who have not seen The Princess and the Frog, the following is a spoiler question, so you could skip a little ahead in this interview oh. to avoid hearing some spoilers. But I oh, think, yes. <laughs> but I think that this is one of the first Disney films that a pivotal supporting character in a film is killed. What was your initial reaction to Ray's death when reading the script all the way through for the first time? Well, I thought it was terrible because he, he would never be in the sequel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, that's the truth. But uh, no, beyond that, I, I thought the same thing. I said, no, 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 no. No, well, he's not dead. No, no, no. And I'm reading. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're giving him a funeral. It's like a Viking funeral. Wait a minute. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no. You know, and uh, it, it's so funny because in a sense, he doesn't die because he becomes a star. You know, and he, he goes to heaven for all to see. And it's kind of a beautiful thing. But uh I, I, I freaked out. I thought, I thought, and then I thought about it and it had to be, you know, Ray, you know, he, he had to, to make that sacrifice and he had to, you know, I, I think, I think it really plays, you know, because it, it, it plays into his own storyline too, because he finally is united with uh, Evangeline and it's a uh, very romantic and it's very, you know, the way they did it, the reveal of the two stars was, I mean, I just, I, I knew it was coming and I still cried. You know, I still and, cry um, watching it again. So, oh, I know it's, <laughs> it's it's so emotional. It's like, 
And, you know, it was weird because somebody had uh, sent me a link of the top 10 Disney, <laughs> saddest Disney moments. And I thought, oh, God. I mean, and it wasn't in there. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I, was that good or bad? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's because well, I feel so bad because Princess and the Frog, I feel, is overlooked. Because oh, now I we do have too. Frozen and Tangled. Although I really right. do think Princess and the Frog does great callback to animation, original animation, and original characters, and great songs. Not saying that Tangled and Frozen does not have that as well, but, you know, it's yeah. very sad that it's not. It's very popular. different, yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an old school guy. As much as I love loved Frozen and everything, it was glitzy and slick and... Um, and I, I like that, that handmade look of, uh, because what happened was, uh, all the people from Princess and the Frog, all the animators, uh, you know, uh, gosh, uh, you know, Andreas, uh, Tim and, um, Mark Hen, and, uh, uh, they just went from, from, uh, Princess and the Frog right over to Winnie the Pooh and did the Winnie the Pooh movie. And they, and I think Disney released them both, especially Winnie the Pooh. Oh my God. Uh, on, on the worst dates possible because yes. they released the Winnie the Pooh movie at the exact second that the very last uh, installment of Harry Potter was going out. And I thought that is, we would have killed the Smurfs, but instead Harry Potter killed us. Yeah. And uh, and then they did that with Princess and the Frog too. They put it out uh, the, at, on the, the premiere date of Avatar. Come on, man. <laughs> There's a lot of days of the year. Could you pick a different one? <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks prior? I don't know. But, uh, so I wasn't crazy about that aspect of it, that's for sure. I was going to make like a bayou ride for the uh, film. Yeah, going to take you there. Yeah, you know, Randy wrote the, uh, the Evangeline, that was the first song he wrote, and I, and I kept telling him, I said, you know, Randy Newman, I said, buddy, come on, what, what's the problem here? This, you got a, you got a, a cage of firefly here, and uh, you know he could pick up a little accordion and, and lay down a little quick cage and ditty. I mean, just a, a little something, a little pick you up, you know, a little something, something just to, I mean, we're in New Orleans, we're in the bayou, we got a cage and let's, let's party. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what else? And, uh, and I, I was kind of like bugging him and, uh, and I think Ron and John were too. And next thing you know, he goes, all right, here's your song, you know. <laughs> You ready, Ray? And he's in there. Randy Newman's in there too. And um, just for laughs, I uh, I could tell you this. There's a little tidbit right before he gets ready. Uh, Ray gets ready to sing. Going to take you down. Going to take you down. He picks up a, a little squeeze bug, a little pillbox bug. We used to call him. And he says, uh, "All right, Lulu." And he uses her as a concertina, oh. as an as a Cajun accordion, you know. Yeah. And uh, Lulu is the name of my baby. <laughs> so, yeah. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. She must have been so I've really got happy to, when she saw the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every time she hears it, she goes, "All right, Lulu." You know, <laughs> she's six now. Uh, she'll be seven in a couple of days. So she was just a little peanut. Oh. Yeah. That's great so, that she uh, got to grow up with the film because I feel that Tiana was such an important oh, character yeah. to add to the princess lineup. Anika <laughs> Noni Rose was amazing, too. She's such a sweetheart, such a beautiful girl, such an amazing singer. And Bruno was great. Everybody was great. That that cast was amazing. Jennifer and Michael and, uh, oh my gosh, Keith David, forget about it. Did you ever get to see uh, Tiana's Jubilee show in Disneyland? I don't know if it ever came to Disney World. Yes, I did. And, and uh, they were actually, they were very sweet. They go, we are so sad. We are so bummed because Ray was like, he would have been like a, a killer addition, but proportionately speaking, 
you know, I mean, here's an alligator and he's like sort of life size or, you know, the people are life size. And then you've got a bug that, I mean, he would have had to have been at least the size of, you know, a football or something. And then it would have looked, just looked weird. It's like this gigantic, you know, <laughs> Mothra bug flying around like a, you know, Japanese horror film. It wouldn't have worked. <laughs> so they were sorry, but Ray couldn't join in on the show. But yeah. Maybe a ride. You never know. I yes, hope, indeed. One. As we were talking about a little bit earlier, in 2011, the Walt Disney Animation Studios released Winnie the Pooh into theaters, and I loved it. I really liked uh, the Tigger movie when that came out in 2000. I thought that was great, and it was very heartfelt. And I thought that this was just the same with plenty of jokes. It was sweet, hilarious, a great callback to the older films. Were you involved with this project from the very beginning? How long did this uh, project take to actually record, and, and where did it start? Oh, yes, I, I sure was. Yeah, I, uh, you know, they, they usually take about three years from the very, very day one to the the premiere. You know, so it, it's a lot, lot of action. I mean, we must have recorded the whole thing twice, you know, um, and then, then the storyline changes a little bit here and a little bit there, and this line improves and that improves. And, you know, we ad-lib a lot. Uh, you know, it's nice that, uh, you know, the guys at Disney and different people that hire me, you know, I, I guess I ad lib a lot, <laughs> which which could either endear you to the writers and producers or tick them off. So uh, I lucked out on that one, and they, uh, you know, they included me in in a lot of the, you know, not brainstorming sessions, but sort of like you know story developing sessions, and uh, you know we we kind of massaged it, we sculpted it you know, as it went and put a little joke in here and found something funny there. And this was a good twist. And, you know, and I, I thought, it, uh, honestly, I think Winnie the Pooh, the movie was the best thing I've done. Uh, I, it just didn't, they didn't spend 10 cents on it and they put it out on the, the absolute worst moment of the year. <laughs> I mean, like literally the, the actual worst time, you know, but yeah. what are you going to do? Now, another thing for me that was very nostalgic was the Disney Channel TV series in the 90s. It was called Bells Sing Me a Story. And for audiences that do not know what Bells Sing Me a Story was about, it was a live-action show with Belle who would also read to the children of the town new books. And there was puppetry and cartoons. And she had a really good friend called Big Book who would always suggest and tell stories about there would be problems or conflicts on the show. And they'd tell stories involving Pluto or any other Disney characters they try to solve those problems and you are the voice of big book and i love mm -hmm. big book he is he is just so sweet and he he loves telling stories and he, you got to sing a lot on the show too <laughs> yes absolutely it's all in the book <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get involved with this show well it, it was great oddly enough um you know a friend of mine an old neighbor uh, at the time uh, patrick davidson was a uh, he was a producer and he was working here and there and, and he came up with this idea and of course you know it's got everything that you need it's got a it's the tie-in to Beauty and the Beast it, it was live action and it had as you say animation and uh, really wonderful animatronics between you know the, there was the there was Big Book and there was uh, the Grandfather Clock and it was it was kind of um, almost a throwback to sort of a Captain Kangaroo style of uh, of a show which was a show that was out a um, hundred years ago when i was a little kid and it was you know live action but it was uh, very whimsical and and i thought it was great because it encouraged kids to read um and this is still you know before ipads i think we need to bring the show back now to just <laughs> to, to, to fight the ipad or the i anything 
you know, God forbid you pick up something that has a page that you can turn a page rather than, uh, you know, click. Patrick was a great guy. And, uh, and it was funny, just coincidentally, he, he was a neighbor of mine at the time. And uh, so it was, it was just a lot of fun. And, were yeah. you on set to record the voice at the time or did you just record the voice and were never on set? No, they, yeah, they, I, uh, they were in uh, Florida, I believe. And I was in California. So yeah, I would do, I would just record and, um, you know, I've done things like that before. Uh, you know, you record as if the, the, the person is in the room with you and you're speaking with them. And then when the uh, live action actor is in the room, you're on tape and they're playing it and, uh, sort of reenacts the conversation. It, it brings it to life. And I recently got a chance to speak with Kelly Coffey, who is the singer soloist in Illuminations, Reflections of China, which is at Epcot. It's a big fireworks show for listeners who have never seen it. And we both realized while discussing the show that it has played almost every night at Epcot since 1999, with 2014 marking the fireworks spectacular, playing for 15 years now. And that means thousands upon thousands of people have heard your voice as the host of the show and also blowing out the candles before it begins. Yeah. Uh, that That's just, uh, I don't know how to explain that, but I just think it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. You know, I finally saw it for the first time last year. Wow. Uh, yeah, I went to Star Wars weekends and uh, with three of my daughters, and um, and I just thought it was amazing. Uh, you know, forget about me. The fireworks were amazing. <laughs> you yes. know, who cares about me? I'm just talking about, you know, Disney World. It was pretty good. You have several movies and TV show projects that are coming up. So what can you tell us about those, and what are you most excited for? Oh, well, gosh, there's one or two that I'm not supposed to. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about. Uh, well, you know, the Transformers are coming out. That's We know that. There's the Croods. There's a TV show that's uh, a Transformers TV uh, cartoon show is coming out, I want to say, in January. Um, and I'm uh, a crab, shot, crab claw, uh, dashing, good-looking guy. Uh, just kidding. But uh, what else? Uh, there is a, uh, for Netflix, DreamWorks is doing a... Uh, treatment of the crudes for uh, a TV animation. I'm in and out of a, any number of shows that are, you know, just sort of like a semi-regular, like Sophia the First and, uh, you know, different ones. But um, let's see, Goldilocks and Little Bear. It's going to start up in a couple of weeks or two weeks or so. And I'm the, the big bad wolf. But he's not all that bad. He's more like, more <laughs> like a, a neighborhood wise guy. You know, uh, it's called Goldilocks and Little Bear. And apparently after the uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears uh, story was over, Goldilocks and the, the youngest bear became friends. And this is their story. So that's that coming great. <laughs> yeah, coming to a TV near you. And uh yeah, just a few things here and there and you know, always trying to keep busy. I did a Mickey Mouse short the other day and uh Yeah, cuz you're the you voice know. of Pete too. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Yes indeed. Yeah, I'm I jokingly say that I'm tied for first place as the oldest uh, Disney character cuz he was in Steamboat Willie. That's true. Hey there, pal. <laughs> well, how you doing there, Mickey the Mouse? <laughs> Well, I have three more questions for you. They're my fab three Disney questions. They're the Donald, Goofy, and Mickey ones. So okay. Let's, let's start with the Donald one. So as a child, what Disney film would you always like to watch over and over again? Oh, boy. Uh, Jungle Book. Oh, I love Jungle Book. Oh, yeah, that was my that favorite. <laughs> it was my favorite Disney movie till uh, Aladdin came out. Aladdin's and then it was great. Aladdin. And now I've got tons of them. <laughs> now they're all my favorite. I don't know, <laughs> especially if I was in them. 
And you guys, you got to be in the Jungle Book sequel too. That's great. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. I yes, enjoyed yes. seeing that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we couldn't use King Louis because uh, his uh, Louis Prima's um, widow uh, wouldn't give permission, which kind of was very, very sad because I, I, nothing to do with me. It wasn't myself. It was Louis Prima, the original. I thought that was the, he was the coolest thing in the first movie. Absolutely. He has that you know, great song, Wanna Be Like Oh, you. my gosh. That's a full-blown New Orleans jazz funeral, too. Ooh, big do I want to be like you. I want to walk like you. That's one of my favorite songs. I love that. And now our goofy yeah. question. What Disney character, besides the ones that you've played, so x on the ones that you've played, do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Uh, Baloo. I mean, there's tons of them, but Baloo jumps out. Just the bare necessities. Oh, yeah. And our final question, the Mickey one. If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? Oh, well, geez. You know what? I just sang Bare Necessities, so that one's fresh on top. But uh, I, I don't know. Uh, usually it would probably be I Want to Be Like You. Oh, well, I'm the king of the swingers. Whoa, the jungle VIP. And then there's the Tigger song. And then I'll be here all day. You don't want me to answer that question. <laughs> no, please, I love it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, I, I could just go on on, on down the line. Uh, aside from, the, you know, definitely bare necessities and I want to be like you, they, they definitely pop into my mind. But, um, I, you know, I had befriended the uh, Sherman brothers, the, the two brothers who wrote everything forever. They were amazing. And I, I, you know, I've sang for them any number of times over the years. I've probably known them for over 20 years. And, of course, uh, Dick passed away uh, just recently, a couple of years ago. God rest his soul. Well, I, I, um, you know, they they talked about writing and doing all this, and we would just sit around and talk and talk because they're like, you know, it's like talking to musical Mount Rushmore with the two of them right there. You know, uh, just legends and and geniuses, and uh, and we would sit around and just talk and talk and and uh, that one of the things that they got a big kick out of was. Uh, was uh, that I told them, I, I said, well, first of all, I'm never going to forgive you for writing It's a Small World After All. <laughs> and they laughed. <laughs> and they go, well, we've never heard that before. And I said, what the heck? And, and Robert said, he goes, well, that was Walt's idea. He says, listen, I want you boys to write a tune that is so catchy. When they come waltzing out of this ride, I'm telling you, they can't stop humming it. That's all they want to do the all day long. And I said, well, congratulations. You did it. <laughs> I, you did it. <laughs> you know, and and they said, yeah, it was Walt's idea. And I said, oh, God, now I have to blame Walt Disney. God rest his soul. But I said, you know, I, I do think that I've come up with the cure because they go, the cure? And I go, yeah. And I think it's the Beatles, the long and winding road. And they go, huh? I said, well, it cleanses your musical palate. Because there's another, because you don't want to pick like my Sharona or, you know, Louis Louie or some horrible thing that you're going to end up replacing it with a, another annoying song. Because the long and winding road that leads to your door, you know, I said, you know, if you hum that and you get up to the first verse, you could stop. And then it cleanses your palate of it's a small world after all. I can't find the cure for be prepared when I hear that song. It's oh, like good. always stuck in my head. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you know, the bad guy always gets a tango. Oh, my gosh. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That, well, I'm glad you like it. That song, Savages and Pocahontas, because I know you are the singing voice oh, yeah. of Chief Powhatan and uh, the Spirit Elder. 
Um, yeah. That is that was a fantastic Kikata. song too. My goodness. Oh, good. Yeah, that was funny. We when we were recording that, uh, they would sit around and go sandwiches, sandwiches. Send up Phyllis Newman sandwiches, sandwiches. I'll have ham on rye. You know, and it was like, wait a minute, is this how Oscar-winning directors and composers hang around? They go, yeah, well, we we're just trying to think. Of, we couldn't think of it, you know, coming up with lyrics. And I said, okay, well, that was your placeholder. Okay, good. Sandwiches, sandwiches. <laughs> they should probably <laughs> record that. That would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, thank yeah. you so much, Jim, for coming My on the pleasure. show. My pleasure. This is uh, so exciting. And listeners, please go out and buy a copy of Princess and the Frog and Winnie the Pooh. We need <laughs> you to. We need we need Disney to know we want to hear back from these movies again. We want some more Winnie the Pooh and maybe a Princess and the Frog sequel. We're getting some Frozen yes. sequels, but we need a Princess and the Frog sequel. I agree. And <laughs> and we could get. And I was thinking about it. And we we could do Ray in flashbacks. Yes. It'd be like, what would Ray do? With a backstory of Ray. <laughs> you could just do a prequel. We could do a prequel indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> That's right, darling. Well, you know what? I'll be there. Don't you worry about nothing. And with a big back poke. Going down the bayou. Going down the bayou. Going down the bayou. Taking you all. Yeah, you know. Come on, y'all. Keep that life flowing and that life. My name Ramon, but if I call me Ray. <laughs>